should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because somebody has to create something darker than the last season of Beat. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict, who has been making some calls to see if we can get that horse from the never-ending story on the show. Benedict! Ooh, I have some bad news about that horse. <laughs> Benedict, how is the new apartment? Good, yeah. Uh, we're going to see what the echo is like in this empty, empty room oh, that I'm sat in. If I but, have to do a whole know? new round of post-processing to get rid of echo, I am mailing you six dozen sound tiles to stick on the wall. I'm not putting sound tiles in my nice new apartment. People uh, can deal with that. You use, the, uh, <laughs> use the little strips, the little command strips. That's what I do. Uh, I have sound tiles all over my, my office. I can see them. Yeah. Yes, they're in my background. They're in my foreground. They're in my left, my right, uh, because uh, this, this room echoes. Because I have concrete floors. All my yeah. floors are concrete. Very hard. Lots of echoes. I got to do something mm. about it. Um, okay. But this is just us at the beginning making excuses for why your audio is going to suck this episode. Well, also, you forgot to ship me a new mic stand. Okay. So did I'm I forget still... or did you forget to remind me? Also, I am not the one who broke the microphone stand. <laughs> so it feels <laughs> like there should be a but rearranging I, of I responsibility. Am not, I am not in charge of the finances <laughs> of this podcast. So. Oh, yes, the finances of this podcast. The money yeah. I use to buy you presents. <laughs> Kevin and Benedict, LLC. <laughs> Anyways, Benedict, uh, you probably know what it is we do here on this program. Uh, mm-hmm. Some other folks, folks who have never moved into a new apartment. God bless them, Maybe? honestly. Yeah, Much rich, better, rich yeah. kids. Don't rich kids it. whose yeah, parents kids. bought them houses. Uh, <laughs> rich kids think all the right-wing books They're not are right. listening. They're not listening. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. That's exactly who. <laughs> uh, they might not know exactly what it is we do here today i would say it's the show where we go deep 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 to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative literature and in between taking another look at that taking a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make america hate again start us quick, off just real quick was that bong something related to the recording that i went think wrong? that was you hitting your face with the microphone that you were holding it wasn't. in your hand it wasn't it wasn't i don't it know wasn't. where it came from okay i heard a dong well, i don't hear things from my own side so you know shut up and don't don't worry about it i'll fix There's it a in ghost post. in the machine do you have a hot take for us this week yeah, even dead trees do wonders for my mental health. Truly, <laughs> just <laughs> what? Because you know, you came to my old apartment. It was yeah. uh, not very tree laden. It wasn't. No, it, it was in a but you a lived you industrial... lived decent, like a short walk to a park from where your old yeah. Was. But like, I'm lazy. So okay, I know. It's this nice to be able to see trees out my window. Is what I'm oh, going. Okay, for. here's something I didn't ask about the new apartment. Is it also mm-hmm. a walk up? 
It is, but it's like the first floor. Okay, it's much better so than the old fine. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> won't have an aneurysm making up your stairs next time. No, if anyone's wondering why those episodes are weird, it's because <laughs> Kevin was actively battling an aneurysm. Yes, and desperately trying to pretend like we didn't all realize how awful I looked after climbing your stairs. <laughs> yes, There you was were very an sweaty. unspoken agreement <laughs> that we all weren't going to mention that I was literally dying in your apartment from climbing five flights of stairs. You were shedding layers with a speed with which I can only assume women do when they're attracted to a man. I love the implication there. That was a... That was a... From the most married man I know. Great. I'm going to make sure your wife listens to this episode. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, never mind. Uh, what's, what's your hot take? Did you say one or did I forget? Oh, yeah, trees. Yeah, Whatever. Trees, yeah, fuck mental trees. Health. Good. Uh, yeah, no, don't fuck trees. <laughs> Is there a gas leak in both of our apartments? Maybe. What's wrong with us? My apartment's not even <laughs> gas anymore. So I'm just insane. Uh, my hot take this week, Benedict, is whatever shit-kicking, country-fried, hick piece of shit remade the song Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. Oh, this was like six just months go ago. Fuck them. Yeah, but I only was forced to listen to it recently. They can fuck all the way off. It was fuck. hugely popular. Oh, I don't give a shit. It shouldn't be. Fuck you. And I think Tracy Chapman liked it. I you know what? She is wrong about her own art for once. Okay. That shit-kicking asshole took a beautiful song made by a, a queer black woman and turned it into some fucking bullshit that nobody listening to it cares to even resonate with in any serious way. It's nonsense, and I hate every second of it. I hate it. You're, you're about... We're you're, talking you're about a about... song. We're talking about a song, which the iconic moment, the moment that if you think of it being played, is 1988 at Wembley fucking stadium at a yeah. concert to protest apartheid. You want to turn uh -huh. that into a country song? Go fuck yourself. Fuck yourself with everything in your immediate vicinity, including your guitar. It's a plinky kind of country song. No, it is not. It is not a country song. It Why is a not? song about real people with real hardships. That's so what can the country song. Be no, when country no, is good. no country artist has experienced a real hardship. I refuse That's to believe not, it. Okay, you're, and ninety percent of people you've who gone listen too to far. country music, ninety percent of people who listen to country music have never experienced true emotion in their lives. You're doing stereotyping. Yes, I am because it. I'm angry, Benedict. Uh, I'm angry. Well, okay, I could understand this if you weren't eight months late to the party. But just relax. <laughs> God damn it. Anyways, Benedict, let's move it along so my blood pressure sure. can settle. What is on your bookshelf this week? Uh, a couple of movies, actually. I've been... Uh, nice. All my shit was packed up, so I've been <laughs> going to the cinema a lot. Oh, yes, there was uh, a reason I couldn't get any books. It's because they were yeah. all packed. But they were, yeah. No, but also, like, I, I, I haven't been able to watch my trash reality TV, mm, so yeah, I've, been, yeah. I, I've been going to watch Oscar contenders at the cinema Are instead. Are there movies out? I, only, I never know what's in theaters anymore. Cause yeah, I so uh, I've seen a few. There was uh, Poor Things was good. Uh, that's that weird Greek director who does weird shit, but it's good. Uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. Ah, uh, yes. The, the lobster. The guy from Ancient favorite. Aliens, yeah. Yeah, yeah, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it, that that was good, but very weird. Um, and then American Fiction, I saw a couple days ago with uh, Jeffrey Wright. Is it from Westworld? I don't know. I haven't seen and the movie. Sterling K. Brown. Anyway, it's about a guy who uh, 
it's a, a a commentary on what white liberals want from black people. I liked in, I, I like that the, I saw in your eyes you trying to figure out how not to do any spoilers in the moment. I like that I saw <laughs> yeah. that. It's a yeah yeah. It's a com- anyway. It's a commentary on what white liberals want from black people in the literature that they write and what people have to do to jump through those hoops to be popular. Nice. Potentially. Nice. Instead of just and what constitutes a black book uh, to a mainstream audience. So it's fun. You it's know, a. You it's know what I'm going to say about your recommendations this week, Benedict? Nice. 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 <laughs> Somebody got the soundboard up and working again. Great. Yeah. What's your What's your uh, bookshelf? My recommendation this week, Benedict. Uh, this is a video game, uh, and it's one that somebody, some listener, recommended. And if you are the person who did that. Hit me up and let me know so I can put you in the spooky world of New World Order next week because I forgot who you were. Uh, but it's one that was on my wish list for a long time. But whoever listener recommended it was the reason I just was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. Uh, nice. in- inscription. And it is a card game, as far okay. as I've gotten into playing it so far, uh, with a weird story element to it. And it really makes... So like Yu-Gi-Oh? No, 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 no. It is like the, the, the whole conceit of this thing is you are locked in a room with someone who I can only at this point assume is like a demon who is forcing you to play against them in this card game. And when you lose, you die. And it's, it's crazy. It's great. It's a fantastic game. So Yu-Gi-Oh meets Saw. <laughs> you know what? Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Uh, but it's very, very fun. It gives you some interesting chills and feels. Uh, some of the cards talk to you when you make decisions about them. And it's just crazy. No, no, not that, no! <laughs> Literally shit like that. Literally shit like that. And I really love it. I really love the way they did it. It's a fantastic game. So go ahead and check it out. Okay. On to housekeeping this week, Benedict. Uh, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes and the other places. Follow us on the social medias at NYGBCPod and at NYGBCBen on Twitter and... Blue Sky, although you... Kevin loves Blue Sky. You are not NYGBC Ben on Blue Sky. You fucked it up when you came up with your handle. You are no longer NYGBC Ben, which fucks it all up because now I have to be like, oh, go check out NYGBC Ben on Twitter and on this other place. You have to look up for this other fucking handle that he has. Yeah, are you pulling it up right now to tell me what it actually is? No, I don't know what it is. But what the fuck? You should be pulling it up. What the fuck? (laughs) It is... You did Ben YGBC, the one you thought you didn't Oh, yeah, do. that's better. I, that's, see, it, I'm it right. It is better, but now you have two different handles on different platforms, and that fucks Maybe I'll up. try and change it on Twitter. It's, Let me see if you should go ahead and try and see if you can do that. That would be a big improvement to make. But anyways, uh, updates. I have one update this week, uh, which is that I said that Charlie Kirk's <laughs> sounded like Zach Wolf from Silicon Valley. Of course, his name is Zach Woods. Not Zach mm. Wolf. I fucked that up. And I will, of course, uh, be committing seppuku via beach ball as soon as the show is completed. Uh, that's one I used to do, and I dropped it at some point because I just forgot about it. I kind of like the image of someone trying to jam a beach ball through their stomach about a thousand times. I can't change my Twitter handle, so. <laughs> well, I guess we're all fucked. But Benedict, yep. we do have one inductee into the spooky world, New World Order, blah. And that is, of course, Jacob Johnson for pointing out... And I don't know how you know this, but I love that some people know weird things like this. That the sound we heard in the TPUSA video was not an eagle. It was a red-tailed hawk cry that we were hearing. Did you fact check that? or is that I didn't. Joke? I don't know how I would. I have Honestly, <laughs> you could be lying to me about bird noises. And you will end up in this spooky world in order. Actually, that's a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> but Jacob Johnson, you are now part of our... 
New World Spooky World Order, bro. Yes, I clipped you doing it last week. Did a little bit of modulation to your voice, just a tiny bit to make it deeper. And uh, that's, uh, I'll play it again so you can hear it, because it's lovely, isn't it? New World Spooky World Order, bro. I don't like the blur at the end, but that's fine. Well, you know what, Benedict? The only thing I have to say about that is that you are not one of the... Very educated, uh, very, very nice, polite people. That's all I have to say about you. That's not the best drop. I feel like we cut that that's one. That's not a drop I ever played on the show. I cut it from the Steven Seagal thing. Yeah, I listened not to that the best part quality. And I liked it, but fine. Whatever. We'll talk about this off the show, Benedict. Okay. But if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, blah, of course, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending to others, and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can and drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or just get my attention with something good. With all that out of the way, Benedict, it is time to return to our book review of Manhood by Josh Mr. Hawley. Mr. Halls, Joshy H. in the house. <laughs> what the <laughs> Is this a new thing you're trying yeah, to make Yeah, Jay Hizzle, let's go. Is this your new fetch? <laughs> no, I'm just trying to bring some energy to the podcast. I've been feeling quite low energy. <laughs> oh, I'm quite I guess tired. I don't bring enough energy. So I'm giving, no, no, I'm just, me, it's for me. It's, uh-huh, for, it's uh-huh. to, to perk myself up. So I'm, I'm very, very, very ready for Mr. Halls himself. Okay, then, I guess, Benedict, that brings us to Chapter 8, Builder. Mm-hmm. Do you have an alternate chapter title for us? I do. It's I Hate Myself. That's mm, it. That's my alternate chapter title. A lot of that in there. A lot of the better. There is, yeah. As I told you before we started, I have too many alternate chapter titles this week. Boo, get an editor. Uh, Boo. Starting with one that you're going to make me not put on the air. So I'm going to say <laughs> it first, which is, and boy, did Josh not realize what he was writing this chapter this week, but is essentially <laughs> what Josh wrote this week. You, having read the chapter, know how accurate that is. <laughs> you know exactly how fucking accurate that is. That's what yeah, makes I'm going to make terrible. you not put that on the air, but yes. That's what makes it terrible. It's going see, on the just air. Cut. No, no, no. <laughs> cut what you actually said and then see if listeners can guess based on my reaction. I'll just say it's German, people. Yeah. Uh, next, Benedict. Uh, child abuse builds character. Uh, yep. This is a small story we get in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, fascism is the right-wing solution to the problems of capitalism. I don't know why that would be accurate. Uh, Next, the gospel of C. Montgomery Burns. (laughs) That's good. And the final one, the real alternate chapter title this week is me standing there, my eyes turning into the back of my head, showing the whites as a prep school kid in the Federalist Society tells me, me. That the reason I'm a liberal is because I've never worked a real job before in my life. And then goes on to start telling me about the summer he spent working at the McDonald's his dad owns. Until I finally just stick my left hand into the top of his mouth, my right in the bottom, and I pull it open like that machine from one of the Saw movies, like the reverse Venus flytrap. And just stick my head inside and jam it shut to end my own suffering. That is... <laughs> the true alternate chapter that is title. quite the image. Alternate chapter title this week, Benedict, because that is exactly what we got. For people who don't know my backstory, by the way, yes, I did spend uh, five and a half, six years working as a tractor mechanic, so fuck mm. all y'all people who bring that shit to my life. But Benedict, yes. Whereas this- I have never worked a real job in my life. That is true of you. This chapter this week begins, quote, My father is one of three boys in his family. The middle son. 
His older brother is my Uncle Bruce. He and my father are approximately three years apart in age. They had formed a fast bond by the time their third brother, my younger uncle, came along. And the stories of Bruce and my dad's childhood antics are legendary in the family. I like that he doesn't name his younger uncle. Like, what did he do? Who is it? What happened? Yeah, maybe there's some bad blood there. That'd be interesting <laughs> yeah. to find Bruce, out about. Bruce and my dad were best pals, and then my other fucking uncle they, came along. They murdered their younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the japes they got up to burying unnamed uncle in the yard. But so... The, the the story we as with all of Josh's chapters we begin with a story from his life or uh, the like closest he can get very loosely tangentially boy like is it even a sure. is, it's especially bad this week because this okay this bit is completely <laughs> irrelevant it it becomes relevant because of Bruce's profession in the future yes well the but, only part I want to bring out from it because it's relevant to one of my alternate chapter titles is there is a a story part of this. Fun story. And the way it's written, I am to believe it is supposed to be a fun story. Where, oh, yeah. This is, a, oh, isn't this cute? Where Grandpa would beat the children with a stick. With a, a yardstick. A yardstick. Which you could get some fucking speed on. You've seen Benedict. a yardstick? Those things are thin. Benedict, we've talked about what I've done to the basement of my partner's house. I'll tell you, there may, there may or may not be a yardstick and many <laughs> yardstick-type implements in that basement. <laughs> I am aware of what a yardstick can do. But yes, that was the... It's just... <laughs> they, Grandpa used to beat my dad and his brothers. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Huh? Good times. But yes... Yeah, this, and then the, and then he's like, oh, and it was such a great prank that my dad used to lie on top of my... Yes! Or the other way around. It was... So, like, the whole thing is it was dark in this house because I, I don't know why it would be dark, but Grandpa would come up and he wouldn't know which one of the two he was beating with the yardstick. So, so my dad... So, Uncle Bruce would lie on top of Uncle... Uh, of uh, Uncle Dad. Lie on top of my dad. In Josh's case, and Uncle yelp. Dad might be accurate. And yelp in pain. I, yeah. It's very weird. It's very strange. But the only reason it's in here is because, and I was, honestly, by the time we got to the end, I was surprised Josh had not even made an attempt. It turns out Josh has no examples in his own life of what he would call doing real labor. So well, he has to go to a family and my, member who My does. real point with, from this is, like, you're a lawyer, bruv. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's, he spends the whole chapter shitting on, like, service workers, and then he is the most, like, white-collar service worker oh God, type person is. of ever. Hold on. Can we not blow over the fact that... Uh, okay, first of all, we're talking about Bruce being a smart boy, uh -huh. right? Bruce's Bruce uncle Bruce. Yep. Yeah, and, uh, okay, he has what musicians which, which, call... By the way, I don't want to be the on. one who has to point it out, but nobody who is named Bruce has ever been an actual smart boy. It's a Fine. doomed name. It is a doomed name. Apart from Bruce Springsteen, who of is course, a good the smartest writer. boy. Yeah, the smartest boy, in fact. Um, but so he has what musicians call perfect pitch. I know that that's a thing, but I have never believed anybody that has no. told me that they have perfect pitch. Because they're all because liars. Because if I go, ding, and you go, that's a C, I can't tell you you're wrong. I, you're a fucking liar. So one of my roommates at Berkeley, uh, who you met, the um, I'll just use his first name, Kean, um, he could tune a guitar without a tuner. He could tune by ear. That's yeah, the closest but that's not I've the same seen. as perfect I know, I know. Pitch. It's like, the closest I've ever seen to someone who has that ability. That's not flicking a water glass and going, that's D-sharp. But like, what I'm saying up. is maybe I'll give the possibility that Bruce was able to do something like that. And everyone sure. just called it perfect pitch. No, maybe. but I, I know I have met people that say they have perfect pitch. I just, I cannot 
verify like i could it's not something oh i can God. fact check it i just realized it is the perfect lie no one can it's like yeah. knowing a red tailed people hawk scream perfect, nobody exactly. can verify whether you're lying unless or not. two people with perfect pitch meet each other and then just like subconsciously decide to be like yeah that is a c no, together if two of them meet each other then they have to fight to the death because there can be only one <laughs> and and their death scream they have to say what pitch it was in <laughs> Yes. Okay, sorry, no, before we move on, the other thing is that my my favorite bit of this paragraph, even more than the perfect pitch, was uh, he said, he took up the fiddle later in life and the violin. That's the, That's same, the same instrument. instrument. the same thing. <laughs> you know how I know you're lying, Josh? Do you know how I know you're lying? That's why. That's what, Somebody might also, come at I, somebody, I had Some to... listeners are going to come at us with, Well technically a fiddle is uh, It's a uh, half a centimeter shorter than a violin It's, it's not, it's the same <laughs> and I, I also had to check this Because I was like, they're the, they're the same, right? And I, I I got to Reddit And it was like the difference between a violin and a fiddle And it was like a string quartet playing like Whatever Whatever that thing's called, yep yeah, I think it's spring. Um, and then, like, uh, uh, someone put a hat on the violin player and he just started going, dee, 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 dee. That, that was it. That's the whole bit. It's so good. Perfectly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, There is no instrument I believe he could not play if he wanted to. Like, okay, he just played the same instrument in two different Again, ways. Again, unable, a, per, a perfect lie. Because all you have to do is say, I don't feel like playing it, I don't feel like doing it. Who's gonna be able to check if you just say you don't want to? If you don't want to learn it, I just don't feel like it. That's why I could play it. Yeah. I just don't want yeah, to. I could do that. Don't worry about it. She's I could Canada. learn the bassoon. <laughs> I think I could learn the bassoon. To be I, fair. You know, honestly, a... once I Google and figure out what a bassoon is, I'll tell you <laughs> whether or not I think I could learn it. I'm coming for that bassoon scholarship, <laughs> man. Let's go. <laughs> oh yes, I went to Juilliard on a bassoon scholarship. <laughs> Imagine, yeah, I went to Berkeley College of Music. <laughs> I play the bassoon. Okay. Bassoon is a Benedict, funny we are word. one page in. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> We're already talking about bassoons. We're in a bad place. Uh, but so the whole point of bringing up Bruce was, as we said, because Bruce started a concrete company in Arkansas. What's it called? Holly Concrete. Holly is that a contribution concrete. in kind? Maybe. You know what? I never bothered Googling Holly Concrete to see if it's like... See the reviews. I, I, oh, you know what? We might have to do that right now on air. Uh, let's say just do Holly Concrete, Arkansas. Let's see if what comes up here. Holly Concrete. They have a Facebook. Uh, yellow Pages. Uh, do they have like a? They have see. a website. I know. I'm just looking for some reviews, man. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, let's go to their face. Well, not their Facebook. Five star rating on Facebook. It looks like if it's the same Holly Concrete, but I can't say that for sure. Um. Who cares? It's a company that exists, and I don't know why I took us out on that tangent. Yeah, that's fine. Benedict will be looking for reviews while I go through what we're about to talk about. Yep. So he does concrete, and the reason why that has to come up is because, obviously, the, t the chapter is named Builder. And Josh himself mm -hmm. has never built a fucking thing in his life. So, but he has someone he's related to who has, and that's basically the same when you think about basically, it. Basically, yeah. But Josh begins us this week on our real journey, saying, quote, The truth is that manual work of the kind Bruce does has become less and less valued in our society. Not least because the elites, like Josh, who set the cultural tone largely disdain those who work with their hands. The media regularly admonish schoolchildren to go to college precisely to avoid the kind of labor Bruce has been doing for 40 years. That, which is not true, by the way. 
I, I mean, not true at all. You know, there's one point he makes in here um, where I will say there's some accuracy to it, which is is the people telling people to children to go to college so they don't have to end up doing manual labor. Yeah, but I don't think that's like lefties being like, oh, you don't want to end no. up at McDonald's. No, that's it's, like... it's what my conservative parents exactly. told me. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly what it is. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, I, and I, I will say, I will agree that there is on some level, regardless of political party, there is a, a, a through current of this on both sides. It does mm-hmm. exist. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't and, disagree. But I would say in my experience with people, you know, even center left, whatever, I think that the, the prevailing atmosphere is not like disdain for this work. It's a recognition that this work is bad for you and your body and you will not mm-hmm. have the type of what, you know, they would recognize as a good life that a lot of other people want for their children. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably the more prevailing current with a lot of this stuff, more so mm-hmm. than just abject disdain for this thing. Uh, but he continues. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, I had movers in my when when I moved, and oh, I have God. never looked up to anyone more. No, than those people are the coming real up my, heroes. Yeah, in your exactly. Fucking fifth floor walk up, buddy. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, th- th- they were they were double parked outside my new apartment, <laughs> and the nice the nice huge man kindly offered to fight like five different people who were honking at him. <laughs> that's, and I have never been prouder of anyone. That's in my really life. the service you're paying exactly. for. That's what it is right there. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, he was like six five and like snake tats. I was no one was <laughs> fucking with him. It was great. He continues. The tech startup wizard and the Wall Street Maven are liberal culture's beau ideals. I, I, not to quibble, but like tech startup maven or tech startup wizards are building something. It's just not physical. Like they do create. Yeah, and they all kind of suck. Generally yeah, speaking. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. Generally speaking, uh, and Wall Street may like. Okay, again, we we have to at least recognize that thing we have to do every couple episodes or people will forget where Josh doesn't know what the fuck he means when he says liberal, right? He no. doesn't know what the fuck he means. Ah, uh, yes. My Wall Street friends. <laughs> Anyone to the left of Mussolini is a liberal to Josh, right? Yeah. Uh, continues. Just look at the main characters on television sitcoms. You'll be hard pressed. Classic. You'll be hard pressed to find many a blue collar worker. I love when he tries to throw in the old, the, isn't the, just the like, weird phrasing like that. I haven't watched like I, I haven't watched a sitcom in years, I don't think, but Modern Family was one of the massive sitcoms and wasn't Jay like a closet salesman? Like I he owned a closets business? I, thought, I don't know who Jay is. I only ever the watched grandpa. that when it's on in the back. Um Yeah, but I think he was like the business owner, which doesn't count. Yeah, uh, but it would for Josh, because Holy Concrete <laughs> is owned by Bruce Hawley, presumably. You know Hawley, what? Presumably. Good fucking point. <laughs> yeah. Good fu- but also Josh would be like, Yeah, but he was the conservative on the show. Yeah, that's what he would be like. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so that's what it's all about. We us us liberals, me and Benedict, we love us Wall Street and t- I'm gonna let those sirens go. Is by. someone being actively pursued <sighs> outside of so your the apartment? the streets of St. Louis are frozen. The entire city uh, okay. froze this morning, and there has been wrecks all over the place uh, because it you know it like rained and then it got down below like 10 degrees. So the entire city's been fucked all day. Uh, I've nice. been hearing sirens go by. All I have not left the house because I'm not leaving the house when it's like that. Because I, I still have your winter coat. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, okay, they're gone. I can continue. We love us all them uh, all them uh, you know Wall Streeters and and tech folks. Uh, but he continues. Well, he he does make the point, and I think you're about to get onto this mm-hmm. that like a lot of these blue collar jobs have disappeared overseas. Yes. But then doesn't engage with the reason behind that in any way. 
boy, and does he get to one of the? We- uh, we'll get to it when we get to it. I don't want to. I don't want to do any spoilers. Okay. There's but, some but great like that, moments that, this week. That is right. They uh-huh. have. Yes, and, but but if you want that not to well, happen, you have to make the political choice for that not to happen. But Holly ascribes that to the will of the left. That those jobs disappeared because no, the left the, wanted them to. It's the free. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you, it, the natural drift is to th- for things to move. To, it, in a free market economy, the natural drift is for these jobs to move to where they can be done cheaper. Right. So you have to have as a country that wants to keep those jobs on shore, a certain amount of protectionism if you don't want those jobs to drift away. And so, well, which he say, may want. I, I don't know what, after reading this chapter, I don't know what, I, I know that Josh wants to subjugate people mm-hmm. and, you know, indoctrinate them into his culture war bullshit. I don't know what he actually wants as far as like the U.S. economy and jobs and white yeah. collar, blue collar. I have no clue. Or how because... to protect blue collar jobs. Like yeah. it, it's such like baby thinking of like jobs have gone away. Like, yeah, but what are you going to do about it? Like well, not it... say, well, David was a fucking builder. Okay, great. Right? Like he wasn't in America either. And again, just another thing from the beginning here that I want to point out as we go through this is that Josh venerates the work for being physical. Not labor yeah. for being labor, for being the, the good of labor, for all that. It's because only the only type of labor that to Josh has value is physical labor. Despite, as we said, him never doing physical labor his, himself in his own fucking life. He'll just have complete disdain for anyone who works an office job, despite that also being fucking labor. Right? It's just he has a, a, a weird, cracked up view of all this shit. But he continues and he says, quote, those who don't want that life, that life referring to, I guess, white-collar work, or don't mm-hmm. have those degrees have watched their work prospects steadily dim over the last five decades, as more and more blue-collar jobs have disappeared overseas or been simply eliminated. In their stead, our political leaders offer government benefits, welfare, dependency. Dependence is, in fact, a temptation to every man in every age. He writes about welfare the way he writes about porn. It's really almost the same sort of phrasing he uses. Well, that's actually uh, tier one of benefits is just porn. Free porn. (laughs) They just give you a Pornhub Unlimited pack. Man, is there an unlimited (laughs) Pornhub? I didn't know about that. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, uh, boy, now you got me thinking about... (laughs) Damn it, Josh. Why do you always make us think about porn? (laughs) Why do you do this to us? But he continues, skipping a little ways down. The antidote to dependence. Yeah, when I think of Josh Hawley, boy, I look. In my head, you finished that sentence. But damn it, now you got me thinking about titties. <laughs> Benedict, what has gone know, into you I today? I'm sorry, I, I do declare <laughs> you have well, given I me say, the vapors. I say, I say, I say. Come on. The antidote to dependence is building. The antidote to passivity is work, which, like, is that not a dystopian fucking two sentences Mm -hmm. right there? And work is, according to the Bible and the Western tradition, it defines an invitation that speaks to every man. It is an invitation to do what every man wants to do, matter, in the most lasting way possible. Uh, And then he goes on to talk about blah, 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 the Bible. He's going to tell us about David. David is our big character for this chapter who we're dealing with. Yeah, but like not in any kind of interesting way. At least some of the, at least Abraham, he was like, ah, I was a dad. Yeah. Like, he gotta, <laughs> this time he's just like, well, David, I, I built, was around. Built, and built a killed, temple. Killed, 
killed a bunch of people. Built, so actually built a temple though, right? So builder, right? At it's least. pretty funny that again, like it, like he really like David is really his should be warrior character. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, like yeah. he's the guy who famously killed Goliath <laughs> and then like conquered a, a city. But come on, Josh has got to keep up his his trend. But of he just keeps doing it wrong. Examples. He keeps yeah, he's the most random choice for fucking. And you know, like David, right? So at least compared to other stories we've had so far from Josh, right? The there is no like sources outside of the Bible. There are some archaeological sources, but David probably existed. There probably was a person named David who was like the main you know king or whatever uh, mm-hmm. uh, in uh, in the area at that time. So cool. At least he's got one who's probably real this time compared yep, to the other ones that we know are, are probably not from the past couple of chapters. But this brings us to the first subsection, which is titled "Give More Than You Take," which begins. Which sounds like a 90s R&B song to me. Give more than you take. Give more than you take. Gotta take to give. I want to take your love in. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I'm going to take you tonight. Uh, no, that's worse. <laughs> he begins by saying, Besides being a focal point of the Bible, David's story is one of the grand dramatic sagas of all ancient literature. No, it's not. It's fine. It's, it's a mediocre saga. It's it not, it's not. It's not. It's like, not even much of a saga. Like, so there are so many better sagas, right? Mm-hmm. Like even around that time, the Iliad and the Odyssey being the obvious much two, better. The Epic of Gilgamesh, mm-hmm. fine, better, has more interesting fight scenes. Uh, you know, sling kind of shitty weapon. I'm gonna be honest mm-hmm. about it. Get yourself a fucking AR-15, David. What do you think you're doing? You know, stuff fucking stupid sling bullshit. <coughs> but skipping a ways forwards, he says, quote, The story begins with David clearing the land of evil in the manner of Joshua. Benedict, by that, he means he means killing a lot of people. That's what he means. Yep. He means yeah, killing, yeah, yeah. killing the Jebusites. That's what he mm-hmm. means by that. And skipping down. And what does he do next? He builds. In particular, <laughs> he builds a city. And yep. then we get this weird tangent about how cities in the ancient Middle East were like, oh, they were foundations laid by the gods, blah, blah, blah. Uh, temples. He's building temples. <laughs> I forgot about temples, honestly, yeah, by this how point. How could you forget about Why temples? did he bring up fucking temples this time? I don't know. Uh, fine. Uh, but the, yeah, he just does that to be like, but not with David. David built this one, not the gods. And then God said, cool, uh, build me a house. I'll go live there. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I need to sit in here. It doesn't matter. I mean, I know why it's in here exactly, but no, it it's, doesn't matter. You know why it's, yeah. Right, exactly. But yeah. he says, quote, The Bible places a premium on work and on men with the character to work faithfully. From the beginning of the Adam story all the way back in Genesis, the Bible emphasizes that God has called man to be his partner in the divine labor, the making it's of the world into a It's such a stretch, dude. Like, it's uh, it's I absolutely... Still, I still think it might be a heresy. I still think it honestly might be a heresy. The holy and heresy has such a good ring to it, too. I know, like, right? Oh, the holy and the heresy. That, that's got to be a book title, right? Yeah. The holy and the heresy. I have to Google it now to see if it's a book title. Hold on. The holy and the heresy. Well, I said holy and heresy. Oh, oh well, I said holy, and I'm just hoping it's smut. That's what I'm really hoping for. Uh, no, it's like fucking uh, academic work. Fine. <laughs> Sounds like academic work. Somebody write a holy in the heresy smut piece, please. But holy is spelled... holy with an e. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you knew exactly where I was going with it. 
Uh, skipping a little ways forwards, Josh says. Uh, and this is going back to somebody we talked about before. From his studies across cultures of Micronesia, Melanesia, Africa, the Mediterranean, and the Americas, the anthropologist David Gilmore concluded that the critical threshold marking the passage from boyhood to manhood was the point at which the boy produces more than he consumes and gives more than he takes. So we've heard that before. I've talked about David Gilmore. He's not someone who would support Josh's bullshit views. He's writing to No, that sounds like a correct... Uh, it sounds like a reasonable uh, transition point. Although I have never produced more than I've consumed in my life. I'm a huge consumer. Well, I think that the concept of boyhood versus manhood in and of itself is vague, not very useful, and probably... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, David Gilmore was studying like it as, as an anthropologist, right? As it mm. was practiced in societies. So I think there's some value in looking at it in that way. But, of course, Josh is taking it here and turning it prescriptive, which is when I think this sort of shit becomes harmful when you say that this is the way that something has to be, because obviously he's just framing it in a way to fit his fucking fucked up Christian nationalist worldview. Well, it's also, it's also very, uh, very general language used by Gilmore. Like what does producers mean in this context? Is it like money salary? Is it, is it like carrots? Like what, (laughs) what is, what is the, the frame of reference? I know. I I think I said this before, but honestly, like the PDF I had found of the David Gilmore book, like I can't find it anymore. I tried to pull it up for this week. I don't know where the fuck it went. Maybe I just like didn't click through enough links or something, but I really, I tried to find it. Couldn't find it again. I didn't think it mattered enough since we talked about it before already. Uh, But skipping, he says, there is something in the character of a man that responds to the character of work. And of course, nothing said about women in this chapter. No, no, not, not even... I, I looked. I, looked I know, right? I, I looked at his word choice throughout all of this and it was like, oh, he's always saying he and he's always saying man. Like, and very conspicuous, I think, because he never wants to say the quiet part out loud. The quiet part being women's work Women shouldn't work. Women belong yeah. in the kitchen is what Josh thinks. We all know about that. Uh, skipping forward a little ways. But, but it is interesting. And I, I, just to echo your point, I think... Um, the, as you say, this is all physical labor. Mm, yes. Like there's no no value to him in mental labor or white collar labor or fucking pencil pushing, whatever you, you know, want to call it. But that's those are the jobs that this society has created. So what do you right. want us to do? You know, it's a weird thing too that I was thinking about as I read this chapter, which is how did the right and, and, and like I can come up with a little bit from bit of this from my head, but how did the right become? Uh, how did their culture war start to encapsulate like physical labor? How did that become a thing? And in my mind, well, it is interesting, isn't it? No, sorry, go, you go ahead. Sorry, no, well, I, I mean, in my mind, it happened sometimes, sometime about when the parties started to change, and the Republican Party became you started to encapsulate more of the Christian right and things like that. Mm-hmm people who are lower educated, who do do more uh, physical labor type jobs. And so it's, I think in my mind, it's the party adapting to encapsulate those people rather than the other way around. What what I would suggest is it probably uh, overlaps with the urban rural divide and Mm -hmm. that a lot of people who work on farms or whatever see and vote Republicans see themselves as physical laborers of some kind uh, even if they own the farm and don't actually but, do the physical labor you know like, but i don't think that is in this because there, there's no reason why being rural working physical labor means i would want to vote for low tax policies that benefit the wealthy no right? but it's rural, the culture rural war bullshit areas, that brings them along. 
rural areas tend to vote Republican and therefore, yeah, I think Republicans are adapting to that rather than... So I think you're right, but I think it's more to do with the rural-urban divide rather than the who's voting. In I'm going to have to do a fucking state. episode on this, aren't I? God damn Probably. it. Probably. That list is never going to end. We're going to be doing episodes till we die. But it okay. continues. He says, quote, What we can take from this is straightforward. And this being that men, uh, that, like he listed one study that said that men who work, I'll just read the sentence. Studies show that men who work are more confident, more emotionally stable, and of course, more prosperous. Well, that last one kind of makes sense, doesn't yeah. it, Josh? Studies show that men are, who earn a salary have more money than men who yes. don't earn a salary. Because, okay, we should be clear also, we said he's always referring to physical labor, but in a lot of this chapter, yes, he refers explicitly to physical labor as like, you know, part of this culture war bullshit he has going on. But also, he just a lot of times talks generally about employed versus unemployed. Yeah, the sources he cites don't make that distinction. No. No. So when um, he's trying to back up a point with statistics, he's not citing a source about physical labor normally. Right. So he says, what we can take from this is straightforward. Men are meant to work and they should. That is not the fucking conclusion. <laughs> Men, Men are meant to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Men, uh, you know what? I would bet that, uh, who's a popular podcast? Who, who's a popular podcast? Joe Rogan. Whom, I would bet you that Joe Rogan, a lot happier than Josh Hawley. And, For sure. Yeah, fine. Uh, men who work are more likely to be happy, more likely to be married, and more likely to have children. In America, three-fifths of working men... Ooh, never a good number to bring up in your book, Josh. Of working <laughs> men considered prime-aged, that is, between 25 and 54, are married. By Absolutely not prime-aged. I'm already over the hill. I'm barely past <laughs> that Neither of us number. are in the prime anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> By contrast, a considerable proportion of those men who are out of the workforce are not only unmarried now, but they have been—they have never been married at all. And just the weird, like, marriage being a goal in and of itself thing that we've seen all throughout this book, but I'll never get over it. How marriage is just a goal. It is an, in, an, in and of itself an intrinsic good to be married to Josh, regardless of the state of that marriage or any other... Uh, things that might go along with it. Just being married is a good to Josh. It's yeah. Just, it's so incredibly strange for me. Uh, he tells us that um, his grandfather was named Norm, which I just thought was funny. It's Norm! The other one, I just, Norm. It's a funny name. Thank you, Cheers. We all loved it. Uh, but Norm, he was a dishwasher at a cafe, and then he became a line cook. So another person in Josh's family did labor once. Cool. Yeah, and so he's like all proud of this story, which is fine, whatever. But then, like, what, do, Josh? Josh, what do you specifically think of people that work at Starbucks? Do you think that's valuable labor? No, we don't. Because I bet you don't. No, he certainly doesn't. We, I mean, I, I probably should have went and tried to find a, a clip of Josh this week shitting on like Starbucks workers or something like yeah. that. I should have gone and tried to find. You that. get so many, and and it's that same thing of like. So I, let me read this bit. So con he, basically he's like, oh, I learned everything I know from all the jobs I've had and that's great, whatever. And he says, contrast that attitude with the line that emerged among the chattering classes in the 1960s, repeated ad nauseam since that some jobs are simply dead end, not sufficiently stimulating or rewarding to be compelling as work. That's not what we say. That's that, what you say. That's not what dead end means. It no. means you have no room for advancement. It means yeah. you're going to be at the whim of your fucking bosses for the rest of of your life yeah it's been and it's the, the likes of you josh that have looked down yeah. on people who are in 
quote unquote dead end jobs and said, oh, well, where's your ambition? Or like, mm -hmm. well, or, or like, you want to be flipping burgers all your life? Mm -hmm. Fuck you. Yeah, maybe. The kind of people say, well, you know, McDonald's should be a job for kids in high school. It should be an entry be level job. And you shouldn't make that. a living wage. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, fucker. it's all excuses to avoid providing a living wage to these people. Yeah. One side of their mouth is Josh going, oh, labor is so great. The other side is Josh going, fuck the minimum wage. Exactly. Let them starve unless they work exactly. three jobs. Exactly. Fucking asshole. It's just that huge hypocrisy is throughout this entire chapter. We know what Josh really thinks about labor yeah. policy. Maybe if you made work more appealing and less fucking breaking to people. Yeah. Uh, he has some weird... Maybe if you didn't force people to break their bodies for them not to provide fucking health care to most people. Yeah. And that's the other part. I, and I can attest to it, obviously, as someone who was a mechanic for a long time. Like, these jobs destroy... The reason why, if I had a child, I would tell them not to get into a, a life of physical labor is because I don't want them to have as much persistent, constant pain as I do when they get older. Mm -hmm. Like, my body is fucked. I went to the hospital twice that I can remember when I was working as a mechanic. Um, and, and just, like, other little injuries that, like, I remember when I did that. And it mm -hmm. still hurts today because of that thing I did. Like, that's... Yeah. Nobody should should go through that. And in some respect, we, I think we glossed over this a little bit earlier, but another part of the labor element, the physical labor element in America, is automation, getting mm -hmm. rid of a lot of these jobs, right? You, we can talk about the overseas part of it, but another part is automation. That means there is going to be fewer of these jobs in the future. And I think on some level, that's a good thing if we provide the support structure for the people who are no longer going to have access to those jobs because they're now automated. Yeah. And it, it's, that's true on the automation thing and, and just made me think, it's like, it's the same thing that always happens in the culture war is like, they pick a random point in the past when they think things were good and are like, this is the ideal. So mm -hmm. he's like, and I'm almost surprised that he's not not arguing for like, oh, well, children used to go into the machines and unstick the gears. <laughs> and that, you know, that they learned a few things there. Well, well so. they, have, they, they had nimble little fingers. They now, have nimble little fingers. Now, slightly fewer fingers, but yeah. previously, more nimble little and going back to what we were talking about before right labor is not degrading it is the capitalist system of labor that is degrading yes to the artisanal worker. labor is is lovely <laughs> artisanal you know, labor sure. with a hint yeah. of lime is that <laughs> yeah just a twist a twist of lime i spent so long yesterday looking at i don't know if artisanal is the right word uh but handmade cast iron pans because That's I'm, I'm looking to upgrade right i've had like the same the same pan we all have, right? The Lodge cast iron pan I've had for like mm -hmm. 10 years. It's gone with me across the country. And I think it might be time to get a new one. And like okay. these, these, these pans that people make by hand and they polish the surface. So it's just so much more nonsense. I want one. I'm getting one. I just have to find one. <laughs> That's not relevant to anything. I'm just telling you all that I really want a nice cast iron pan. Uh, but he has a weird aside about Puritans and a guy yeah. named jo uh, Joseph Hall who I didn't really bother looking into much. I pulled up his Wikipedia page. Just like, he was a satirist and a Puritan who once got into an argument with Catholics until his, uh, you know, guy he was with begged him to stop. So they wouldn't all be burned at a stake, I presume, would Probably. be the reason why. But that brings us to our next uh, subsection of the chapter, reject dependency, which mm. is where shit really gets fucking wild this time. Uh, this is where my alternate chapter title uh, in German comes from this week. Yeah. And it begins. 
The problem in America today is that too many men are not working, and our respect for those who are is waning. Look at the trends of just the last 50 years. It used to be that almost 90% of men over 20 worked, or at a minimum, were looking for work, at which point I will remind Josh that the unemployment rate currently sits at 3.7%. Well, that's false numbers, though, Kevin. Fake! No, I forgot. You got to look at the real unemployment rate. People who they can never actually find or tell you who they are, but apparently there's all these mysterious people out there who are not working, not collecting unemployment, and somehow... Our streets are not, our streets are filled to the brim with homeless, and we should do something about that. Not the solution Josh wants. But somehow you can walk down the street without walking over the homeless. Can I make a couple of points on this? Yes. Uh, first of all, uh, he has very conveniently said 90% of the men over 20 in, mm-hmm. this, in this bit. Yes. Uh, not 90% of working age men. Mm-hmm. So what's happened there is people are living longer and therefore there is a greater percentage of retirement uh, or retired population. So n- n- if you have enough retired people, you simply can't have 90% of the people over 20 in work. Mm-hmm. The uh, the other thing is uh, women are in the workforce now. Mm-hmm. So some dads stay at home if they have kids or, or some... Or, some, or, or cute I dogs. Know, or cute I, dogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, particularly cute dog or particularly needy cat. <laughs> um, and then the other point is that was the, pretty quickly after two pretty serious world wars where a bunch of the working age population <laughs> simply didn't exist anymore. Yeah. So, well, and the other one, which is something I think we've talked about before, uh, let me read the rest of this paragraph and then I'll. Sorry, I'll go ahead. Uh, look at the trends of just the last 50 years. It used to be that almost 90% of men over 20 worked, or at a minimum, were looking for work. That was true from the turn of the last century until the late 1950s, then began a long, abysmal decline. By 2015, only 68% of men over 20 were in the workforce, or trying to be, meaning that the proportion of men without work, without paid work doubled from 14 to 32%. Now, you brought up a couple of reasons why that number is larger mm-hmm. now. I will bring out another one, which Josh has always glossed over unless it's convenient. College! College! Yep. If you were in college, you're very likely to be over the age of 20 because, you know, two years of college, maybe you're under it, then you're over it. Uh, And you're not in the workforce because you're going to college. Mm -hmm. And in the past, I'm sure there was a far lower proportion of people who were in college because only the wealthy used to be able to go to college. It's Also, you just you simply didn't need to use to go to college like you did it for interest more than, you know, you didn't do it to learn a trade. Yes. But this is where he does bring up, as you said, the it's not the real unemployment number thing, which is like a line I distinctly remember from the Obama years that was Mm. being because, you know, uh, the Obama years towards the end, unemployment was pretty damn low and they needed to have an excuse to still complain about the economy being terrible. And, you know, it was terrible, but not for the reason that they say. It's because the low people in the lower classes get left behind. That's why the economy is terrible. But it was always, and I heard this from like Glenn Beck and Sean Hannity and all those fuckwits. I remember we've done several episodes on this. It's not the real unemployment rate. The real unemployment rate, and I, I feel like there, I remember like a clip of Glenn Beck saying it could be as high as like 40%, yeah. which is fucking ridiculous. It's absolutely these are the the claim they make about these people is that well what the unemployment statistics don't count is people who have stopped trying to find a job because mm. they're no longer applying for unemployment and if that was the logic 
if we really had, in actual reality, a 20% unemployment rate or something ridiculous, I don't know if Josh actually gives us a number. Yeah, he's too smart to actually put down a number that people yeah. could actually fact check him on. But they always say shit like 15, 20, 30%. That's the real unemployment rate. You would literally be stepping over people on the sidewalk who are who just because they, they have nothing. They have no money. They're not working. They're just living on the streets. Like you would not be able to get around in your everyday life and not notice all these unemployed people who have given up and stopped looking. It's ridiculous. It's fucking insane. But he continues. In case you have doubts, life without work is not a good life. It is, for one thing, often an existence bereft of a close family or companionship. Men without work are more likely to live alone, less likely to be married, and less likely to have children. Is men without work the Northern it's Hemisphere the- version of <laughs> I come from a land down under? <laughs> men without work, I come from Scotland. <laughs> that wasn't a Scottish accent, but you'll forgive me. It was off the cuff. I come from the land above over, I don't know what that would be. Uh, something like that. Uh, that is a good name. We need to have to do something with that. Uh, when they do have kids, they are less likely to see them. An unemployed father is considerably, considerably less likely to live with his children than a father who goes to work every day. That's only the beginning. Unemployed men are more frequently divorced. Approximately half of men without work, and this is, I thought, a revealing line that he didn't spend any time dwelling on. Half of men without work are on painkillers. What does that tell you, Josh? That they've left the workforce because they're in pain, dickhead. That's why. Could be something along those lines. I also think the numbers he's using are including retirees. I honestly think that a lot of the numbers he's including are also including retirees. And then he brings up... I mean, he he does bring up the COVID-19 stuff. It's like in early 2020... Too. It's like it got the worst even it's ever worse. Been. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, but we're still recovering from the worst pandemic in a century. I don't know why the numbers would be bigger, Josh. Don't know if you can figure it out. Hopefully you can and tell us. But he continues skipping down a little ways. In fact, men who aren't working seem to do very little at all. They don't, on the whole, volunteer or pursue education or take care of children or others in need. They don't go out much. Most of what they do is sit and watch screens. Porn! No citation? No? Okay. Porn! I mean, he does have a citation there, but it's the same thing we had in the um, chapter where he talked about during COVID, everyone was watching porn. It's yeah. the same thing. It's just yeah, everyone's watching porn because we're all watching screens. Cool, dude. Fine. He cool, says, man. quote, there is also crime. Among unemployed men between 30 and 38 years of age, for example, the majority have been arrested at least once, 40% have been convicted once, and fully 20% have been to prison. Do you think that's, again, because labor, labor, uh, the way labor works makes it hard for people who've been to prison to get a new job? Yes. That is absolutely it. Of course, Josh doesn't spend any time dealing with that. Doesn't engage with it at all, no. Those, uh, it's like... You just want to scream in his face. Poverty and crime are correlated, Josh. Yeah. You just really want to scream at him about it. Uh, but he talks about economists. They don't really know why this is happening, right? But Josh, Josh has. Josh knows. It is because, quote, both parties have embraced a program of globalization. Mm. To include liberalized trade, liberalized immigration laws, and lavishly favorable treatment to multinational corporations. Josh, you're talking about your party. 
You're talking about your party yeah. there. Also, exactly. the Democrats to an extent, right? Yeah, but yeah. No, mostly, he's not wrong. Mostly Josh's true. party. That is true, but he's also done nothing to try and stop it. So. Absolutely. I mean, he he filed a couple of meme bills. So, yeah. so there's that, I mm-hmm. guess. One of them was named after Nancy Pelosi. Ha <laughs> <Yep>. ha, <laughs> fun times. <laughs> Don't we have fun in Congress? Continuing. There was a time in this country when a man could support his family on the wages of blue-collar work, particularly in the manufacturing sector. Most of those jobs have gone overseas now. Some, and, and again, this is one of those other things, just scream unions in his face. Another mm-hmm. one of those times. Some celebrate this development as good for consumers, more cheap stuff to be had, or as a form of gender justice. Men can no longer rely on their physical strength to get a leg up in the job market. And I don't think anyone's ever said that. Well, he has a citation for it, Benedict. So I'm sure he Is wouldn't it just be a terrible citation. Well, as it turns out, he pulled something from the World Economic Forum which is cool. titled The Industry Gender Gap, Women and Work in the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Remember how Klaus Schwab loves his Fourth Industrial Revolution? Yeah, thing? yeah, really, He's really trying to make it happen. Still trying to make that fetch happen. But he also has something he cited here by Richard V. Reeves of Boys and Men, Why the Modern Male is Struggling, Why it Matters, and What to Do About It, from the Brookings Institution, which is I, neither of these things are really about what he's talking. If you look at the, he has the quote, for the World Economic Forum uh, thing he's citing there in the uh, appendix, and it says, quote, Given that career choices are disproportionately affected by prior experience and bias, traditionally male-dominated professions often find it difficult to attract women, dot, 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 dot. According to dot, 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 dot. Predictions, men will lose more than 1.7. This is not them cheering this. (laughs) This is just them being descriptive about what is happening. Because the whole point is they say men will lose 1.7 million jobs in manufacturing and women will only lose 0.37. They're just pointing out the reality that women have fewer jobs in manufacturing, so when those jobs go away, they will lose fewer jobs. It's not cheering on it like Josh is trying to pretend is going on here. But anyways, it continues. Many left-wing policymakers argue that blue-collar jobs in manufacturing, farming, and energy are too dirty, too noxious for the climate. They prefer an economy built on white-collar service jobs that produce nothing tangible and require the... Ex- oh, wait, this is Josh. It's, jo- this is jo- it's Josh's yeah. job. You're a liar, bro. All <laughs> the jobs Josh has ever had. Literally. All of... Well, I mean, technically, he was a rowing coach once, so... No, he wasn't. <laughs> On paper, he was a rowing coach once. No, he, like, sided as a, like, he was not a paid rowing coach. (laughs) Skipping down a little ways, he says, Other liberals cluck their tongues and say, of course men could improve their station if they would just change careers, M-dash, and interests. Like, I I know a lot of guys in blue-collar work, because I used to be there. Um, None of these guys were necessarily there because... They were really super duper into bricklaying, Josh. Mm. I don't, I can't say that I knew anyone that that's how they ended up there. They were there because there was a slot in the bricklayers union and it paid 20 something an hour and that was decent work. That's yep. why they end up there. Uh, but yes, it's, it's, you know, it's really just the liberals. They're just telling people you gotta, you gotta change men. That's the problem. The liberals are just t- saying we gotta change men because as we know, and this goes back to the, the core conceit of the book, right? Josh intrinsically connects men with physical labor. And because men are the only thing that matter, women don't matter, mm-hmm. physical labor matters. 
That's, I, you know what? I just realized that might be the actual causal chain for how we get to Josh's beliefs on this issue. That might actually explain a lot now that I sit here and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Women should never have been allowed to enter the workforce. Is that yeah, your, yeah, that might be what Josh is going for. Because yeah. he yeah. sits here and complains about the fact that one liberal researcher argued for pushing men into what he calls heal professions, mm. healthcare, education, administration, and literacy. Oh, the horror of those yeah. four things. Aren't they awful? But Josh argues... No, better get me some black lung instead. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. Josh says, quote, But the fact is, men are historically less interested in these fields and less educationally prepared to take them on. Yeah, I mean, you could change that educational preparation, but you can also, like, men should be able to do what they want. They should be able to work in the fields that they want to work in. But you can't just create things out of nowhere. Also, so you have to prepare for the jobs of the future. There we is... were told, journalists were told to learn to code so many times <laughs> when the ju when journalism layoffs were happening in the past couple of years. I know. Uh, and he doesn't even learn to code line. I forget where it is. I think Josh has a dig at learn to code, and, which, like, fair. Everyone should dig at learn to code. Because that yeah. is not the solution to all of our problems. No, and it's, uh, it's, it's people being dickish deliberately. Exactly. But he continues, quote, To the experts safely ensconced in their think tanks, I would just say this. Is it really too much to ask that our economy work for men as they are, rather than as the left wants them to be? Is it too much to ask that men be able to find decent work on which they can support a family without having to pay six figures in college tuition to acquire a dubious academic credential or leave their family home for some distant locale or take up a career path in which they have no interest? Josh, rule of threes, buddy. You keep having lists of four, but rule of threes. You really got to keep that in mind. Get that, get that going. Continuing, men who have an aptitude, aptitude, for blue-collar work and enjoy it shouldn't be pushed by policymakers onto career tracks for which they're ill-suited. That just the inherent fucking bullshit in that line. That that is exactly what we have talked about several times now in Josh's book. Yeah, which is the what my parents said to the sort of shit my parents said to me about yep. you know that kind of job. That's that's not really what you're suited for. Yep. There's there's other people. The poors. They're the, the ones the who poor, are yeah. suited for physical labor. Saying that these imaginary blue-collar workers who Josh can't define are not suited for office work or anything else, that's some bullshit here. Yeah. And I really just want to call out that bullshit. I really just want to make sure that's called out. Yeah, anyone can do the bullshit we do. That's very true. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. Anyone can do what I do. I mean, uh, they have to go to law school and take a small exam. Yeah, what's, uh, you know, and, and and actually go six figures into debt. So you know, he yeah. was correct on that one front there. I will say that about it. But then skipping over to the next page, he says, "Quote: Many men are content apparently to be dependent, and our political leaders have encouraged it. The response of the modern left to the crisis of work is particularly telling in this regard." Leftists have advocated expanding welfare payments and disability, which is in scare quotes, yep, insurance. That's gross. To the point one need not actually be disabled to claim government support. More recently, they have championed universal basic income. Who's they? 
Okay, we'll get to that in a second. This mm-hmm. latter idea would have the federal government guarantee every adult in America an income stream generous enough to live on. Whether it wouldn't be that much. And then this, Benedict, this is where I laughed out loud. Yeah, One liberal candidate for president recently ran an entire campaign on. Does everyone remember who that was? He's talking Take about a Andrew Yang. Is he? If you remember, yeah, he's talking about Yang. Yeah, for sure. He's Yang Gang. He's Yang He's Yang Gang, baby. Let's oh go. God, Pure Yang Gang, straight into the veins. I was like, uh, oh my God, someone remembered Andrew Yang. Wow. Yeah, notable, not President Andrew <laughs> Yang. That's how popular those ideas were. Also notable, not liberal candidate for president. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe you call Dems, him liberal. Like, maybe you could call him liberal. He's sort of a centrist-ish. Cent- but yeah, he ran. I mean, he ran on the Dem. Uh, literally balance, so. everything he's done has been collaborations with right wingers. Like his forward party is just him, and then a bunch of Republicans who don't like Trump. Yep, that's it. Boy, that's it. fun. Loved that. But that brings us to the next subsection titled "Work and Liberty." Benedict, think about the German translation for that, and you'll have Kevin's uh, Kevin's alternate. Now chapter you know what title. my alternate chapter title that Benedict made me edit out of the episode was. Yeah, not good because it's not good to quote that, even when it's fairly obviously applicable and somewhat funny to label you know, things with a thing that is very obviously applies to work yeah. and liberty. Work makes liberty. 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 Yeah. Anyways, it begins saying, "Quote." Dependence also makes men less free. It makes them servile. There is a long tradition of political thought, no citation, running back to ancient Rome and Greece, but really originating with the Bible, no citation, that sees personal independence as a precondition for personal liberty, no citation. Those are, okay, first of all, those are synonyms, pretty much. Sure. Um, Second of all is I respect anything you talk about with liberty in the ancient societies less because they were literal slave societies. Yes. They were full of slaves. Benedict, he talks about slaves on the literal next page. I know. In like, ancient society. Up. This yeah. is insane. You can't be free if someone else pays your bills. You can't be free if someone else controls your livelihood, especially if that someone else is the government. You can't be free if you don't work. Oh, work makes you what, Benedict? Mm-hmm. Work makes you what, Benedict? It, you, this very much needs an editor. How did he put that on a page and not realize it? Because he's an idiot. Uh, like, literally, at that point, I did that thing where I slammed the book <laughs> on my desk, and I went, Josh! Buddy! Come on! You're killing me! Oh, it's really like my my blood pressure's up. My blood pressure's up. <laughs> that makes ah, why not? Because if someone else controls your livelihood, he controls... Oh, you know what? I just realized there's an inherent misogyny in assuming it's a man who is giving you money there. He yeah. controls you, not she. Mm-hmm. Hashtag well, women... Well, in, in ancient society, that was most likely to be true, to be fair. Hashtag women can be slave owners, too? That, I guess. They sure can. They yeah. sure could. We are of, progressive here on this show, people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> continuing, that is the ancients' insight, and they were right. No citations for any of that, of course. But the next page, that's where we amp up the crazy a little bit more. He says, quote, The Bible elucidates this in the story of the Exodus, when God delivered the Israelites from Pharaoh. Egypt was, for the Israelites, a place of bondage, the house of slavery. I'll point out again that the all... Basically, all historians believe that that story is just entirely apocryphal and made up. Continuing, the Bible says, okay, that was the end of that sentence. I picked a bad place to pause, Yep. and now I'm not going back. Continuing, 
The Israelites worked, indeed, but not for themselves. They worked at the command of another, and the fruits of their labor were taken by others. They subsisted, but not by their labor, only by what they were given. And boy, what blew me away here was he is so close to understanding what is wrong with the capitalist system of labor Mm -hmm. here. And then just zooms right past it into crazy town, baby. And then also is like, and they were working on behalf of God. Oh, so they're God's... They're working for God, you say. They're not working for themselves. They worked at the command of another, and the fruits of their labor were taken by others. Josh, that's America in 2024, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. That's why the big, rich, fucking tech startup assholes exist. That kind of shit right there, buddy. That's why the witch Wall Street motherfuckers exist, Josh. I'm turning red. The mavens. The, ma- <laughs> the Wall Street mavens. Mavens would yeah. be a good double-A base- no, okay. baseball team name. Double-A okay. baseball team name. The, the Wall mavens. Street mavens would be, we should rename the New York Jets that. <laughs> uh, Jets fans don't actually exist, right? Pretty sure. No. It's a, they're just a myth told to scare children. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that's how it works. Uh, but skipping down a little ways, boy, that just blew me away. With the, the, the closeness of those two lines, the complete lack Bad. of one line to understand the other. It's fucking insane. But he continues, skipping down a little ways. Depending on others for your needs brings you under their influence. If you look to others for your bread, you serve them. They have power over you. That is servility, not freedom. So, so every wage worker. Yeah. I mean, he's right. He is correct that we are a nation of wage slaves. He is correct on that front. But again, not for the right reasons. Skipping down a little ways. If you are going to shoulder that mission, you know, build God's temple, building, blah, 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 all that bullshit. If you are going to realize that freedom, you cannot refuse to work. You cannot depend on someone else. You must have independence of character continues dependence can take forms other than failing to work of course it can mean sitting back at work when you know you could do more let me just say this on the air for everyone to understand never ever 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 punch out before taking a shit you (laughs) shit on company time You hear me? Oh, no. You shit oh, on That's company. That's I thought that was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, okay. I love that I'm still able to surprise you every now and then. Yep, occasionally. I love that still happens. <laughs> Where did you think I was going to go? I was just, I thought you were just going to say, don't ever volunteer to do work if your <laughs> boss isn't noticing that you're Oh, out. also I true. Know. I mean, also yeah, yeah. true. If you're hourly, yeah, don't ever fucking volunteer for anything. Fuck them. Mm-hmm. Fuck the bosses. Unless there's double overtime. Boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I shit on company time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, he say, he continues and says, passivity and mediocrity are, in this sense, forms of dependence. And this is just all, at this point when I'm reading it, coming together for me, and I'm realizing that Josh is just putting together a, a 20... Are we in the 22nd century? I don't know where we are anymore. What's the Fox logo say these days? 21st. Uh, We're very much in the 21st century and will be for the next, like, 75 years. He's just putting forward a 21st century version of, remember that, like, old, maybe it was a Puritan guy, but the old Dutch 
uh, a politician who was like, the poor should be happy being poor because that means they'll be happier in heaven. It's just Josh putting that kind of yeah. shit together. Okay. Basically right, the Josh. same thing. But then we get another fake story about a, a someone Josh knew in, in when he was a law professor, um, which also... This one, I almost kind of go, okay, this one might be real. There's kids yep. like this. There are rich kids like this. They exist. Uh, and this is just someone who, like, this guy, he went backpacking and went around overseas, and he just saw, you know, he was just trying to get enough work to pay for his next backpacking trip, which is fine. But, like, I, I, I really do wonder if there were any students of Josh's who Josh is not lying about, who mm-hmm. did pick up this book and read it, and saw that he put a story about them in the I book. Know, oh, fuck. <laughs> How fucking disappointed would you be? Yeah. And also probably, even if they are real, he is lying about them in some respects. You can't trust Also, them. isn't this like the kind of job that you say we shouldn't criticize for being a dead end? Like, it's just internally inconsistent. He's like, this know. guy just wanted to work to afford the next thing. Like, yeah, that's why anyone works ever. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't, Josh. Uh, reject nihilism. Is the name of the next subsection? I really cannot be fucked with all this. This no. next bit. I'm just gonna. Like... I'm, we're gonna. We're gonna gloss over it. We're glossing okay. over it because in this subsection, the entire point is, uh, people who believe in climate change want to murder all the humans. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, it's not more interesting than the exact version of that we got in the last three books we've done, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly think maybe the last three books we've done have done that same exact thing. Mark Levin definitely did it. I know Mark uh, Levin D- did it. Degrowth D- D- stuff. Alex Jones thinks everyone wants to murder everyone. Yep. And I um, think we also got it in Glenn Beck. We might probably. have got some of it in Glenn yeah, Beck. Yeah, he loves to talk about the climate. It's a, one of the hits for him. Exactly. Um, and yeah, but climate change fanatics, as he calls them, who are notably not nihilists, apparently want... all men should self-extinct. <laughs> That's literally what... The, okay, I got to tell you about these two people. I'm just going to tell you about the two people he brings up in this in this section. Right? Fine, quickly. So the first one is this guy named Michael Schellenberger. Um, or Schellenberger. Great name. I think I'm saying it wrong. Uh, Great who, name. He says about him, quote, For them, them being the environmentalists, uh, environmental fear now stands in for religious commitment. As one observer put it on the left, apocalyptic environmentalism is a kind of new Judeo-Christian religion, one that has replaced God with nature. So They say everything's a new religion. Like, every time oh, they yeah. don't like something, they're like, it's a new religion. Of course. And, that's it. and I can't tell from his sentence structure there whether he's saying Schellenberger is on the left or not. That seems to be how it's reading for me. But he is a writer at uh, Barry Weiss's outlet, so I kind of find that not that likely. He also, yeah. his Wikipedia page has a quote from him which says, I'm a liberal in my passion for the vulnerable. I'm a libertarian in my love of freedom, and I'm a conservative in that I believe you need civilization to protect both those things. So I also don't think he's very smart either. Uh, no. And then the other person who Josh brings up is this woman named Patricia McCormack, who, mm-hmm. she wrote a book titled The A-Human Manifesto, which, mm-hmm. having spent all of 30 seconds looking into her, I kind of think she might have done just as a joke. As a joke. I kind of think she might. Because she is a professor of philosophy in Australia. She's also the most goth person you've ever seen. She is like, if you see a picture of her, you go, ah, oh, fuck, was she the one on CSI? Or which one was she the... that? That's the person. Like, she's just like... She's the most gothiest goth okay. you've ever seen. 
And it's very funny to me that this person wrote this book. But also, nobody agrees with her that we should exterminate people to save the planet. So why are you bringing no, it up, yeah, Josh? it's very silly. Yeah, well, because, because they find the most extreme examples of things that they think yes. are bad for us. I mean, you you Googled for weird you know edge why. cases so you'd have something to write about in your stupid fucking book. But okay, let's talk about us, working with God. Brings us to the final... Is it the final? I think it's the final. It is, final yeah, subsection yeah. of the chapter, working with God, which my eyes fucking glazed over in because, yet again, it's more, the Bible says build... Yeah. Bible says I'm good and you're bad mm-hmm. is all it is. But there is the only funny thing about it that I did find was another attempt because, as we said, Josh never even tries with himself to pretend that he has done physical labor in his life. No, but, but his wife is a great horse rider. <laughs> the worst attempt he's made in the chapter so far, which is my wife loves horses <laughs> and horses <laughs> shit. Horses, fucking hard to take care of, okay? Yeah. So, you know what? It's a lot of work, a.k.a. labor, to take care of horses. Pay no Making attention to the fact... Making my wife a man. No. Pay no okay. attention <laughs> to the fact that everyone who has horses is ridiculously, ridiculously wealthy because mm. horses are not fucking cheap. But my wife, no. yeah, that's basically labor, right? Sure. Fine. Sure. Um, then he tells us about, apparently, he still has dreams about calculus tests. Great. Great. I don't know why that was in there. I honestly don't know why it was in there because it just leads into that made me ask questions about my life. What will I do with my life that will matter? Who will, will I, I be when I grow up? Whoa, will... uh, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> what Papa, will I do why are we last? here? <laughs> and Bible. God. You know what? You've just given a better summation of the entire book than I have. So, I mean, why are we, we could just be done with it, right? We don't, we don't need to finish the whole thing. There's only one more chapter, right? One more big I think chapter. We have two. Yeah, I don't know. We're we're or we're almost there. Thank fuck. Well, we do have the epilogue too, but uh, we'll get to it when we get to. I'm now I'm flipping through to try to see how many chapters we actually do have left because we're on eight right now. King, I think, is chapter ten, and that's a pretty fucking long one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but anyways, Benedict, that brings us to the final two paragraphs of the chapter, which I will read as I always do, and it is quote: "A man finds his agency in working. There are many forces in the world, most of them well beyond our control. From the weather to our genetics, we are powerless. Still, the Bible says that when a man works, he moves the world, and this is true, whatever the work." Whoever the ma- apparently not Josh because you don't think fucking office workers yeah. are moving the Do world. Anything. Also, maybe true. But- Bible fucking wrong. You're not moving the world. The world is circulating around the sun, moving on its own. Has nothing to do with people working, Josh. So nope. boom, Bible negative Science, one point. Bitch. <laughs> Josh is gonna come back at us with a well science. Is wrong sometimes. <laughs> Bitch. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it continues. When a man works, God comes to aid him, and he never holds the ladder right. Like, really? it's He kind of <laughs> needs to be better at that. The work he does, his ability to bring forth something good, something beautiful, something new, is an expression of his freedom and his significance. It reflects his likeness to... I'm just leaving the sirens in that are in the background. I know this time. I'm not even bothering with it. Reflects his likeness to God. The Bible does not teach the rule of fate, that man is the pawn of the God. Yes, it does. It literally does. 
You cannot say that your God is omnipotent, all-powerful, and also all-knowing, and also the cause of all things, and not say that your book teaches that you are the puppet of the gods. That's the only interpretation of an all-powerful, all-knowing God, is that you are a puppet. Literally the only interpretation. Mm-hmm. Fucking ridiculous. Uh, and instead, it teaches instead that man truly becomes God's delegate, his representative, his servant, as he works. He becomes more free, not less, more independent, more himself. Maybe that is why the long political tradition of our founders inherited, uh, long tradition our founders inherited, the one that has its roots in the teachings of the Bible, has long insisted that to be a free man, to be, God, I am fucking up this reading here, to be free, a man must be able to provide for himself. Something, something, we know who's really doing the planting. Mm -hmm. Something, something. Uh, he must give more than he takes. He must be a builder. Final paragraph. Holy concrete is not a famous company. <laughs> it is now, bitch. That's clearly the. That's clearly where the chapter was supposed to end. And then Uncle Bruce was like, "You better fucking get hey, another hey, holy hey, concrete." I, I paid for six fucking paragraphs in that goddamn book. <laughs> now you better make sure I get my fucking ads worth. Eh? Is he Tony Soprano? Yeah, you better tell. You better fucking tell oh, your readers. You better fuck. Hey, I know what concrete guys sound like. All right, you better tell your fucking readers <laughs> that not only. Do we do wholesale concrete, eh? We do driveways. We do walkways. We do that little thing around the pool that's like a step, but not really a step, you know? But it's like higher than the water. You know what it is? We do the stamping stuff. We do the colored concrete. You let them fucking know, okay. all right? Or I'll send my dad with the yardstick to break your fucking knee. I'll kneecap. send your uncle that we killed. <laughs> Anyway, I think oh, that was the last paragraph. I read, I read, paragraph. It. Yeah, exactly. I, I read the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. No, all right. I'll finish. No, don't. That's it. Leave it there. <laughs> That's the end. Holly Concrete is not a famous company. It will never be traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Most people have never heard of it and never will. I suppose. Wow, that's a clunky sentence structure there. But my yeah, there should not be a comma where he has commas there. God, fucking asshole. But my uncle's work has sustained three generations of family. Himself, his children, and now his grandchildren. So, are you just in favor Did of... Did none of his children do any work? Is that... No, I was just going to say Josh is in favor of Nepo babies, is what it yeah, was. Yeah, for sure. Of course he is. <laughs> uh, by his honest labor, day in and day out, he has shaped generations of lives and worked upon the fabric of the world. To put it another way, he has built his own Jerusalem, his own Eden, a place where God dwells. That is the legacy of a builder. Which just makes me think of that Seinfeld episode where, uh, I forget who it was, really wanted to be a banker. <laughs> I, I haven't seen enough Seinfeld to... Well, fuck off then, Benedict. Okay, bye. <laughs> Benedict, was this not one of the weirdest chapters we've got in this book so far? <sighs> I don't know. They've all been a bit weird, to be honest. It's been a, bit a weird book. It's this all one... very Bible-y. This was just really like the fucking the really the lack of awareness of the words he is putting on the page. Yeah, that when was he weird. wrote that work makes you free, that really blew my fucking mind. I really couldn't believe that he actually put that on a page and nobody read it and went, "Hey, Josh, Josh, you don't speak German, do you?" Um, really, somebody should though. It really should have happened. 
But, Benedict, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. And as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Brian Smith, Sam Walsh, Dan L., Jamie Fritz, Teach Peace, Dr. Milmini and Lennon Liam Swinwanley, The Ghost of Larry Nichols, Jacob Johnson, Danny Rosari, R.I.P. Tiny Laptop, indeed. <laughs> indeed. New Remember buildings. The silence for the tiny laptop? You know, actually, it's still sitting right here. It's, okay. <laughs> you haven't even buried it yet. Its body it's is not even It's sitting cold. here on my desk. I don't know what to do with it. How do you get rid of a laptop? Like, I don't uh, want to throw it away. This as well. I think you recycle them. I think it's the still, store... It still technically works. Is there a sad child I can give it to? I don't know. What do I do no, with it? No, but you can, you can go to a repair shop and they'll recycle it Look, or whatever. You can still masturbate to it, okay? Go you on. Can st- <laughs> Uh, new buildings are a globalist conspiracy. Bobo D. Bear, Chili, Madeline and Zachary, Madeline and Zachary Wilson Fetro, Tori and the Gallant, Shadow Princess versus the Raptor Wolves, Sean Sullivan, Lauren S., New Year, same old sad bastard. Oh, Benedict, what art thou, bright spot? Trees. <laughs> Flack Weasel, Sadie's Sister Wednesday, Kieran Dackler. Join us next week when our guest will be Itamar Ben-Gavir. Uh, Henry Lewis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clifton Stuckey, Paws, A Restless Native, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Saulnier, A Wonkin, Lux, No Luxembourg, Luxembourg, Stefan, Dan, KF Pod, Equal, Upton Sinclair of Sus Supplements, Utah Outcast, Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches. I, we have so much over, overlap with Knowledge Fight listeners. I know. Like, it's always Allison. It's Alex Jones. Most of our <laughs> listeners came for that. Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Stephen, and Cindy Dimmick, Taru Takanan, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Until next time, work will make Goodbye. Goodbye. Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.